0: Hi and welcome to Women at Warp, a Star Trek podcast. Join us on our continuing mission to explore intersectional diversity in infinite combinations. My name name's Jera Hodge, and thanks for tuning in. I'm all by myself today because we are bringing you another panel from Mission Chicago, but before we get to that, there's a little bit of housekeeping to do first. Our show is made possible by our patrons on Patreon, and we have to give you a special thanks for helping us get to Mission Chicago and to do these kinds of panels, to do outreach on behalf of the show, and to make connections and bring you back uh, the content that uh, we learned there. If you'd like to become a patron, you can do so for as little as a dollar a month and get awesome rewards like thanks on social media up to things like convention swag and watch-along commentaries. Visit patreon.com slash women at warp to become a patron, that's p a t r e o n dot com slash women at warp. And if you're looking for podcast merch, which uh, were very uh, popular at the show, uh, people really liked uh, the t-shirts we had. Um, you can check out our t public store. There are just so many designs, and we're adding new ones all the time. And you can get them on more than just t-shirts, you know, things like notebooks, uh, masks, all that kind of stuff. So find it at tpublic.com slash stores slash women at warp. So today, as I mentioned, we're going to be giving you um, another panel from Mission Chicago. This one was organized by a friend of the show, Amy Imhoff. And it also featured uh, Dr. Lucila Rossinez, who's a fan expert, uh, me representing women at Warp, Chase Masterson, of course, who played Lita on, on Star Trek Deep Space Nine and is now voicing different versions of Lita in Star Trek Online, which she'll talk about in the panel, and Kay Roth, who's a fleet admiral for Star Trek Online and part of a group called the Dark Mom Consortium. And the... Title of this panel was "The Future Is Female," and basically what we talked about was how the stories of women in Star Trek are told after their time on the screen is done. So, looking at gaming and tie-in novels and comics and uh, you know all that good stuff. Um, fan fiction, and how, you know, where it takes stories um, from people like Lita, um, as well as some of the new characters we get in Star Trek Online, and uh, we talk about Belana and Moral, uh, we talk about Melora and Erica Hernandez and Pell, and um, why it's, I guess, worth, you know, it can be worth taking a look at some of these kind of extended universe pieces um, that fill in the gaps for a lot of these uh, women characters that we really know and love, but maybe never got, I guess, full as a story as they deserve. So um, yeah, so I hope you enjoy it. Um, it, You know, because it's a panel audio, it's a little echoey. So thank you for bearing with us. And before we jump into the panel audio, I also just wanted to talk a little bit about the experience of Mission Chicago, which I think was overall really positive for us. I particularly wanted to really thank everyone that came to the booth. And um, we just we had really, really good conversations with a number of longtime listeners, as well as people who had just discovered this was a thing, um, which is really exciting. And uh, one of the questions that someone asked that, I really appreciated was basically as a cis white man what more can I do to be an ally for you know you folks and for other uh, for marginalized people um, at conventions and um, you know the answer that I gave is is that um, there's a few really easy things you can do if you're going to a convention um, and one of those things is to reach out to the convention to make sure that they have a clear harassment policy that is going to be very easy to find on the convention floor. And this was the case at Mission Chicago. That's great. Um, They have a harassment policy that's on their website and it was posted on big signs. So that's one thing that helps make convention spaces a bit safer. And another thing that people can do is reach out to Um, Ask the show what they're doing to make sure that the hosts of various panels and Q and As with the celebrities are diverse. So it's a super easy thing for you to reach out if you're going to a convention and just politely inquire. It's to say, hey, this is important to me. It's important to me that the people that we see on stage are reflective of the diversity of the Star Trek fan audience and that we're elevating marginalized voices uh, voices of women, of people of color, of indigenous people, of people with disabilities, of queer, LGBTQ, folks. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of folks with great experience from these communities. And, um, you know, you can absolutely uh, make suggestions for who you think would be good. Yeah, so I just wanted to share that. Um, if it's uh, if you're going to a con in future, then um, and you know even if you're not a cis white man, these are questions you can ask. So um, thanks a lot for that question uh, to the listener who came up to our booth. And again, thanks so much to everyone else who stopped by and had really cool conversations about the characters and about the community and the fandom and what we're gonna do next and all that kind of stuff. It it's just really reminds us of why we do what we do so it was lovely to meet everyone and so I hope you enjoy the panel.
1: Welcome everyone <laughs> to the Women of Star Trek panel. <laughs> Thank you for being here ten thirty, the morning after you surely did a little partying last night. I know I did. <laughs> we, have our, we have our giant <laughs> Starbucks. But um, yeah, welcome. Um, I'm Amy Imhoff. I work with Kay Mulgra. I'm her media director. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and um, I've done a lot of these panels. I've done a lot of uh, Star Trek Las Vegas. Jara and I have been on panels for a long time and I'm super thrilled to be here at this event and to be bringing you this panel. So we're going to go down the, the line here and have everyone introduce themselves and talk a little bit about how they got here. you know, maybe mention what you do for a living because we've got some pretty cool fun the awesome women up here. And yeah, just uh, areas of expertise and, and in the fandom as well. So why don't we start at the end and just go all the way down. Hello, my is Kay Roth. I am a live streamer for uh, Star Trek
2: Online. I play the game. I've been playing it for 12 years now. I host a channel called the Dark Mom Consortium, <laughs> uh, which is a friendly place for all those nerdy types to go and be able to chit-chat, speak in a safe environment, and pretty much hear our opinions while we're playing Star Trek Online. Thank you. So for
3: all of you who are now my family I'm mom. Very high. thank fine. you. <laughs> I gotta say hi mom. I <laughs> am um, super excited to be here and also very happy that I'm part of Star Trek Online. For those of you are who are here, because of the powerful women I get to play and this because it is is both Regular Lita, and Hollow Lita, and also Mirror Lita. <laughs> we have all of us to explore all of ourselves. And one more thing I want to say, I'm super grateful to the founded Pop Culture Hero Coalition, where we teach kids inclusion. And that also absolutely covers promoting girls and women to be exactly who they are and who they want to be. And also um, encompassing our non-binary brothers and sisters, and uh, they, them, people and all, 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 the, all the genders, and all the power that we can all have uh, being exactly who we are. Hello,
0: my name is Jara Hodge and I'm one of the co-hosts of Women at Warp, we're a Star Trek podcast, um, and we talk about uh, gender queer stuff, all the representation in Star Trek, and uh, you can come find us at our booth on the convention floor and chat if you would like. Good morning. I'm Dr. Luce.
4: Uh, I'm a pediatric radiologist. I have um, been on a few of these panels before with Amy. I want to give a shout-out to the Sci-Fi Sisters, who are awesome. (laughs) I, um, I kind of hold women very, very, very deep in my heart, mothers deep in my heart, women of color deep in my heart, and so I feel like that is my area of peace along with poetry. <laughs>
1: today about storytelling and expanding women's storylines outside of the canon of Star Trek, which is, of course, what Star Trek Online has done for, for Lita and for so many of the wonderful women who have voiced characters. we um, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about expanding people like Laurel, uh and Landry. and you know, this, this, There's so many, and um, like, new characters like Meral Paris. <laughs> um, and yeah, we're going we're to talk a little bit about, I wanted to start with Chase, obviously. We wanted to talk a little bit about Lita's journey. And talk a little bit about the new story she's getting, and, and about feminist agency. And if people don't know what that term is, it means that the woman in the story has the ability to decide her fate. You know, her next step. She has agency. She's not. Her fate is not being decided for her by an institution or by a man. Um, and I think that Lita is a perfect example of having feminist agency, having gone from being the dabble girl of these Space nine, and now you are the first lady of Parangani. <laughs> And now you're also uh, in, um, in the mirror universe. You're, yes. you're a slave, a powerful woman, you're an admiral. Yes. So and I want to hear about that.
3: I think one of the things that we learned from Lita is that there are all types of strength and power, yes. right? Yes. If Lita had worn her strength on her sleeve in the same way as Kira or Dax, we would just have another Kira or Dax. And we already had Kira and Dax, right? So Lita was able to show strength in a quiet compassionate and inclusive way. Um, Lita always stood up for herself with the uh, Ferengi uh, rebellion, the Ferengi union, and also not wanting to sign a prenup. Very important. Right, talking back to work, And really, I think one of the main reasons that Lita's story continued and why I'm here today is that Leah loved the guy who was only pretty on the inside to most people. And Leah saw incredible beauty in him. And it what wise enough to know, even though almost no one else
2: knew or, or saw it, that you cannot judge a
3: book by its cover. And that all of us are so much more than we show on the outside. And sometimes it, it, it really helps have just one person in your corner. How many of you felt like that? Like oh, you yes. have grown under the loving care of someone who saw you. And how many of you know how important it is to see each other so that we can be all we can be, right? So that was Lita. and I think that is such a Star Trek message. And the other message of people who are so entirely different, loving each other for who they are, and these similarities rather than the differences, um, being what speaks to us. Um, Or cherishing, really. Cherishing and being excited by the differences, which is also wonderful, which Dita and Rob did. So, we're studying around your universe with your badass, and in your knife. Your- yes. So, Miralita, for those of you who don't play the game, would eat the board queen for
1: breakfast,
3: <laughs> <laughs> and still be hungry. As <laughs> <laughs> compassionate and, and sensitive and caring as regular and is is, Miralita not so much. <laughs> and so, it's pretty fun to play this game. You'll find her manipulating you and being on your team, on your side, helping you maybe. It's pretty fun, and I'm sorry, I don't want to go on. I we'll um, I'll just say this. For those of you who have asked, will we have more deep space sign? Will we have a movie? Will we, will, we yeah, will there be something? Unfortunately not in those ways, but you get more deep space sign stories with Trek Online. Yep. And they don't
1: pay you to say that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, some of the other kind uh, kind literature and comic books and things like that. So, you know, there is a lot of other Deep Space Nine characters that are in the books and in the comics. And I think that's also a great way to kind of expand that story. You know, I, I of course, want to see more Kira and more Dax, more, you know, all the ladies that we love so much. And Deep Space Nine has such a rich supporting cast that I think there were so many that they couldn't focus on everybody's story, right? So when you have that that tie in literature, you have the opportunity for that. Um, And Kay, I wanted to since we're gonna we just went for more Star Trek Online. We're gonna talk a little bit about what you do and about the characters you love to to play. And you have a a Klingon lady and a um, and Pumarche. Pumarche, yes. But first (laughs) of (laughs) all, (laughs) props.
2: So I'll go off topic slightly. Star Trek Online has the Victorious Life arc now called the Gamma Quadrant arc, which is Deep Space Nine season eight. It is it's wonderful. you want to know what happened when the
0: series ended, play the game. And then we get
2: done with that and go into the current ones that are coming out for this beautiful passionate rum and Lita. And we now go to kick-ass Lita. And there's one scene where she's sitting at the desk and Janeway comes in and she's like, Oh, you're gonna love this. And everybody says, Yep, yeah, okay, this is great. We are on now. But that's a it's that dichotomy. You've got wonderful, passionate Lita and Yes, in the same game, and the same thing happens then with Tilly and Killy, the first time I've <laughs> Killy love it, which episode of Killy is in, but you walk onto the bridge and she's sitting sideways of the chair twirling, mm-hmm. night, and knife. like, oh, we have to, to learn <laughs> yeah, what It's what Star Trek Online can do that we can't always do with the series, more so in books, but less in the series, is we get these beautiful backstories about all these characters, especially about the women. Um, and one of these is Jalula, We sort of see her first coming in with the Klingon Civil War arc and, you know, she's the enemy, she's a bad guy, you are fighting her, and over the course of the stories, we begin to see that she is this really rich, complex character, very strong, but not just this one-dimensional being. Um, She changes, she sees that she's being manipulated by other forces in the galaxy, and about halfway through the Discord, which is the second story, uh, the... Rick is destroying the Kidmer complex and is chasing after you and you fall and she stops, turns around and offers to help you and at that point you've made an alliance with her and she continues this beautiful um, not redemption but in development she becomes this huge character and in the I'm going to do a spoiler here, in the end um, after she's gone through this whole series of events, she has the ability to become a new chancellor and she turns and, to and it's this idea that, you know, we can do all these wonderful things, but sometimes she recognizes that she has to be something more and do what's best for all of her people, not just for herself. And so I love the character of Jula, Jula and then Laurel. But that's also pulling a little bit from other canonical sources. And we've got an original character, King's um, Star Trek Online, who's She She's the Mukari officer we first run into in Sunrise. She's a scientist. She's an explorer. She's everything we want in Star Trek. And she's rich and complex. And she's got this beautiful unknown backstory. She's got people we've never met. And we identify with her as female. We don't know really if she is female, but that's our identification of her. And, and she's voiced by the lovely Kevin Brandon. Yes, indeed. And she's probably the most popular female character in Game 4, men and women, because um, it's this incredible story that is it's one thing. I'm sorry, sorry to come on. But we want more exploration, and we get Kamaki to do that. And she's brilliant. She's absolutely brilliant. <coughs> we love her story. And the one thing we don't have when we off-time we, we don't have a lot of human characters in female or male. And we were talking about this last night, but I think it's because... We are human, so when we create our characters and we tell our stories in the game, we get to take that position, that strong position of wherever we wanna be, you know, whether it's obnoxious, pleasant, sexy, whatever, or any story there, and we get to write our own backstory, and we are in the game. We are the captains.
1: Thank you. Yes, Anna uh, Laurel, I wanted to, I knew you mentioned Laurel, and we wanted to throw it over to you, because we wanna talk a little bit about Laurel. Um, Mary Chipo is obviously fantastic, um, seeing as as a tall woman who is almost six feet tall, seeing that badass mm-hmm. stature and having everyone respect her and having everybody she's her coming out and saying, you know, I am your mother. I am the mother of the empire. You know, and I think Lucy going to talk a little bit more about that. Yes. And she's in the game and she has a wonderful story arc. They got her a couple times, and, and they have. It's, it's very exciting.
4: So
1: if you guys
4: could not yes. guess by um, my shirt, I love Volana and Klingons, <laughs> and so
1: agency, female agency, and such, you
3: can't not talk
4: about Laurel. Yeah. You know, she, um, as we all know, she's gone through moments where she's taken her
1: future in her own hands, and she's kind of manipulated, that one, other manipulated. You can say manipulated. I think, right? I think, when well, do we shy away from those negative words as women, and I think, you know, she can. Well, she did manipulate, but yeah. you know, she's not doing anything differently than right. a, than a guy would do. Right. But
4: she, she turned things around and she knew what she wanted and she
1: found ways to make that happen.
4: And when she, like you said, when she made that speech and she then became mother of the Klingons, I think I shed several tears said on it. And you can, I, I just love the fact that her story is continued in the game and. I love to, to think that Bolana was influenced by Laurel. Yes. In some ways, you know? I'm sure she had to have learned about her. And maybe I, in my, my little head canon, Bellana looks up to Laurel in a way and gets power and her from, from her. And so that's kind of how I made that.
1: that and yeah, I think even the other thing on women we've seen, you know, obviously the way we see Martok talk about his wife, the way we see, you know, the, 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 the they they view women kind of the way the men of Sparta viewed women, right? Which is, you know, these are motherhood is a battle. You know, going through the birthing process is something to be admired <laughs> and and respected, versus seeing it as like you a, a frailty, you know, right. or weakness. And I, I, I love that part about Klingon, you know, the, the warrior culture, but also making sure the women are part of that warrior culture, right. and also morale, Paris.
4: Yes. So, as many of you probably thought, I definitely not this way. I wish she had a lot more little moral parents on Voyager, but I'm so happy that they continued Belana's legacy in this game, and that she's also chief of security and the second officer of USS Kirk. So, like, you know, they're continuing that legacy of her coming from a, a strong woman, mother. Belana was chief engineer for Voyager. She kept that ship together with God knows what. Yeah. 100. <laughs> percent And then, you know, her daughter followed I want to follow her in the sense in the sense that she also went into a position of leadership, you know, and then to have a woman so be the security officer, you know, both Belana and Merle are in
1: positions that were traditionally male-dominated, you know, Belana with her engineering and then. And Bolana is the first female engineer period that we saw yes. in the Star Trek universe. Yes. Yeah, of course, you know now we have the lovely Jet Reno, yes. so who I'm a big fan of. Um, and it's great because you know she also uh, she also brings in that LGBT plus representation. Yes. Yes. And uh, but you know I think seeing Belana and you you talk you, I mean I don't want to put the words in your mouth you know you, you, you know what we, I know my words yeah I know we we, we talked so much about. You know, and and, and uh, loose as a, a, woman, a Latina woman of STEM, right. you know, she's the there are very few Latina characters in she, Star Trek. She was the first
4: character that I saw on TV that I identified with that was in a position of the power and the leadership, and I said that, and I was like, that that's what I want to do. I want to do that, and so I'm very much uh, a woman that's influenced by the Bellana character, and another important thing that kind of is why I hold women and mothers deep to, to my heart is I come from a matriarchal line. I thank, thank everything on earth that I still have my great grandmother alive and my daughter has five, you know, with, with her there are five generations of first born women. And so I am so thankful that I had that history to fall back on. And so I kind of saw that
1: continuation of Bologna's line in the game. It's my heart, so, Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. That's, so, that's such a wonderful legacy for your daughter to look up to. And of course, you know, her mom's a badass doctor. And we were just talking on the way here. And her daughter's only 13. And she's like, I think I'm going to apply to Princeton and Yale. I mean, I, you know, I guess I'll apply to Barnard. That's where Lucy was <laughs> And, uh, you know, it's, it's just wonderful to see that that's, that's a legacy that, you know, we, and as a society, we need to be lifting up those stories and lifting up those women's stories. Uh, Jara, you want to talk a little bit about your um we talked some of some of the characters that you wanted to bring in.
0: Yeah, I mean, I wanted to talk a little bit about the one-off characters that we see in across the series, especially in the series pre-discovery where it was really episodic, so you'd really have someone show up for one episode, often that represented a marginalized identity that they didn't really know how to integrate in the show on a regular basis. They meant so much to a lot of fans and then you know, a lot of us were left wondering, like, what happened to that character? So um, I um, wanted to talk uh, particularly about Melora Pazler from Deep Space Nine um, because um, I think, so she, the character and that story was was written uh, by um, a man with a disability who had seen the episode of TNG where Worf Breaks his back and there's the euthanasia storyline, and he was really upset by that and he said, I want to do this better and have a situation where someone's offered to be quote-unquote cured of their disability and refuses it because they recognize their disability as a strength. And I think that Even though I have some quibbles with that episode, I feel like a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to tell her to be nicer um, during that episode, which is something that unfortunately a lot of people with disabilities face in the real world, is trying to make people feeling like they need to make everyone comfortable all the time. Um, And also, I mean, it's ultimately a bit of a Bashir storyline. Like, I want to see her own the story. Um, But I think, you know, we've heard from a lot of listeners that saw that and were so inspired and found that really meaningful. Um, and so when Melora comes back in the novels, I was so 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 excited. And uh, she saves 192 shipmates in the Dominion War. Uh, she serves on the Enterprise. Um, I will say that she has uh, a very brief relationship with Barclay, which oh, um, no accounting for taste. All right, <laughs> <laughs> but she has these really really interesting nuanced storylines where she's a full complex character that's not just defined by her disability but is a part of of what she is and who she is so she becomes the chief science officer on the Titan under Riker she navigates uh, with an exoskeleton prosthetic and then she has a hollow avatar created where she can kind of sit in her low gravity room and then like project herself around the ship and it becomes a problem because she becomes a bit like Addicted to the ability to, to not have to go out in person and interact with people, and she has to navigate that. So it was just super, super cool. I love how the novels and the comics and the game give us this ability to dive into these characters that meant a lot and to move beyond um, that, you know, the representation of just being in one episode. Um, I will just say, quick caveat that. Um, in the new iteration of, of the novels, I think everyone agreed that like the wrap up of, of the, the pre-coda novels was lovely, um, but it is like a lot of us have real grief over what happened in that transition, which I won't spoil um, because of, of how much these characters came to mean to us for over so many years. Um, but it's uh, just really a gift, uh, all of the writers, uh, for these properties that have given us more time and more, more depth with these characters. And One of the writers I wanted to mention is uh, Una McCormick.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, she did the uh, the Tilly novel, the way the way to the stars discovery. Um, she did, of course, the autobiography of Captain Jane Wayne. What? among many others. She has a lot of titles. I you know I wouldn't go on at length about her her skills, but uh, it's it's so lovely to see. There's so there was I'm I'm very um, I'm good friends with a lot of the Star Trek authors. on am Ward, John Jackson Miller. Uh, There's so many real David Mack, um, and it was very much a. And they know it is a, a white male dominated, um, and you know, you know, mostly gentlemen over over 40, over 50, and they are having a wonderful uh, resurgence where they're saying, you know, we want to bring new voices and we want to bring different uh, rep, uh, points of view and LGBTQ LGBT individuals, um, you know, writing novels. Who they now announced a recent slate of novels as well with with different authors, and I was like, it's about time there's women. Who are writing these books and writing these stories? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we talked a little bit about all of these characters that we love to see expanded. And I don't, Chase. Do you have any um, any other women that who are that you admire who are, are not Lita? Because you know, you see, you see the the lovely actresses all the time. Who, who would you like to see more story? Oh goodness!
3: Of um, well, the women on our show, I. I, I really, I thought Terry did a beautiful job. In her yes. yes. Aspects of her, as as obviously with Dax's previous lives, and the wonder I think that Terry brought to that, especially in the episode where she met uh, all of us. I'm grateful to have been one, but also just the the complexities of that. I think is such a wonderful. Um, it's a wonderful storyline because it also shows us how we are parts of so many different uh, of points of view, facets, angles. In fact, that was one of the that was the episode title, facets. And we can allow ourselves to be really highly diverse individuals, inside and outside. You know, it's wonderful to recognize all the different aspects of ourselves. I think sometimes, even women limit ourselves. Um, We say, uh, no I couldn't do that, or they're not going to let me, or why would I, or we don't ask for that raise or that promotion or that place, because I guess conditioning or fear, and it's really time to break through that, and break through our own glass ceilings, and be who we want to be, and know that we can accomplish anything that we put our minds to, for the most part, and is on some level. And I think Dax experienced that and it was wonderful. And can I say one more thing? Yeah. I love the fact that they are exploring more of that, it, those issues, in, in, uh, in Blue, uh, in Blue's character. Um, yeah. Yes. I think so that the sector is a really, really hard job of picking up where. We left off, and I'm glad to see yeah. that. And the trail being a
1: secretive society, it feels like a real analogy for the way you know women and women's spaces, you know, keeping that that like when. when um, and I know that there's a, a ritual in Judaism, and I think maybe you can you know talk a yeah. little bit about you know where you you enter the pool. Oh yeah. Yeah, and um and I've I've, uh, I've I took a class on women in Judaism, and you know it's it they talk about the, the cleansing, and you know it's like a, a, a women-only ritual. You yeah, about, so. Um,
4: for those
1: who have not Jewish, so I will experience
4: I'll talk about it. It's called the mikvah,
1: mm-hmm.
4: and it's kind of a beautiful experience. So there's a
2: pool, mm-hmm.
4: and this pool is blessed. Mm-hmm. And every month, or as often as you want, you go into the pool, you, you're supposed to have a everything of your body should be open and touching the water. Your eyes are open, your hands are, your fingers are supposed to be open so that the water gets all around you. Mm-hmm. And you say, you say the blessing, and then there's she's called the lady. It's a, it's usually an old little, you know, yet to grandma type of <laughs> person. And she's there, and she's saying the blessing. She's also there to hear you. To, to hear you. you say the blessing, you dunk yourself. And she's the witness. And you do it three times, and it's exactly what you said, it's about cleansing yourself, it's about bringing blessings onto yourself, and you come out kind of renewed,
1: and so it's a beautiful experience. Yeah, and I think, you know... And sorry, it is is a woman-only space. It is a woman-only space, yeah. And, you know, you you mentioned Lou, and when I saw that, I thought of that experience. You know, going in the the Trill Society and having the, just, but just the women of Discovery in general, like they are amazing. I love the Bridge crew. I love Oo. I love Detmer. I you know I love all the options that we're getting for you know different relationships. Yes. You know we're we're seeing like seven of nine and Raffi. Um, and I, this is wonderful. I think. Seven of Nine as a character has just had a real growth in my mind. You know, she 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 is someone who functions better outside of the strictures of Starfleet, and I think a lot of the women we're talking about are outside of the strictures of Starfleet, like 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 Lorel. Yes. Um, but you know, we, we can function and, and Melora and you know, and we can uh, take take those experiences and kind of apply them to our own lives. You know, we're Starfleet officers are often held to such a a high standard in our minds, right? We have you know, I have the, the image of Janeway as being larger than life. You know, working with Kate, she's still larger than life. <laughs> and you know, but when you have those characters that can function outside of those structures, and it's it's an analogy. You can function outside of the patriarchy, you can function outside of that society, what those rules are that I think you know and Jared and I have talked a little bit about this with some of the other characters, um, like luoxana Troy, you know, you know bringing in these these women who are They don't fall within the, like, oh, I'm a hot 25-year-old kind of a a vibe. And, you know, women of a certain age, and and we get to really experience the variety of women's storytelling and variety. I mean, they're so diverse. I mean, everyone here in this room who's female or identifies as female or non-binary, we're all having a different experience. But all of those experiences, we find the commonalities within and I there any other character that you wanted to mention I think we have a little bit a couple yeah, more that I, I was know going you to
0: uh, I mean speak about non conforming I have a, just a funny quick example is um, the character Pell, who's from the episode Rules of Acquisition yeah. of Tuesday's Nine yeah. And yeah I was like I saw our Frankie yeah. guest and I said I have to talk her So Pell, for those of you who don't remember, um, it starts out as a waiter in the bar, and it turns out that Pell is a woman who's been disguising herself as a man to work as a Ferengi and become a business leader and falls in love with Quark. Um, in the novels, Pell becomes a romance novel publisher, a very successful <laughs> yes. publisher of Ferengi romance novels. Um so, love love songs. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Ferengi songs. Um, and um, another character I wanted to just highlight briefly is Erica Hernandez um, in Enterprise because, as you yes. mentioned, yeah. there were just so few Latinx characters and still are in Star Trek. Although I'm glad we're getting more in station yes. worlds. Yes, I'm um, yes. So nice about that. And uh, Erica Hernandez in like I will say like Enterprise has a lot to love about it, but it's a little bro-y. And um, so Erica Hernandez like had so much promise, and then she just disappears because the, the ship disappears, and it's so sad. Um, but in in the novel. Again, uh, pre-coda um, has the most epic storyline. It's so amazing. It goes like her crew um, gets displaced in time. She and three other crew members get relocated to the year 1519 and have to basically live back to the current timeline until they meet Riker's ship. Um, Meanwhile, you know, as obvious that causes a lot of trauma for people, she ends up being like the only surviving member, essentially immortal and in like a collective consciousness with these aliens. Um, ends up destroying wow. the board. Continue, like it's so cool. Uh, she's basically—it it reads like a Greek myth. It's really excellent. Um, so I just love it. And I'll just quickly say that, like, I don't feel like you can talk about storytelling characters outside of canon without credit to fan fiction. Yes. yes. yes before Star Trek, like Canon was doing it and before licensed products were, were showing us queerness in Star Trek and trans characters in Star Trek, fans were giving us that. They were filling in those gaps and they still are and there is a lot of awesome stuff. I know fan fiction gets a little bit of uh, like a, a mixed reputation but I think it is so important for um, just what it's done to maintain the fandom in the dry spells between the new series in terms of Filling Filling in those stories, yeah, exactly.
1: So, yes, I agree, completely. Especially, I mean, I just, you said fiction, and I was like, X-Files fan.
4: Yeah!
1: <laughs> Filling in the Scully gaps for 25 years. But, but, I, you brought up the Borg Queen, I really want to talk about her, but Kay, uh, hey, I wanted to throw it over you to you to talk a little bit about the Borg, a little bit about I'm sorry, know, again. the Borg, and the characters, you know, the encounters you've had, and just, just your feelings in general on, on the women we've seen of the Borg, seven and um, the Borg Queen, and- Seven,
2: seven is standalone because I think that she gets into the same, you every, I'm
1: sorry, Seven I think is a bit of a
2: standalone because unlike a lot of the characters we see as Borg, we get her whole story and we get to watch her develop and change from being obviously a young child, becoming a Borg, and then com- uh, developing as a human being and experiencing life on a completely different level, we get to see everything, um, she experiences what's expected of her. She says, this is who I am. And, she it, and then she realizes I'm somebody else and somebody else. And now we're in the car with Rappy. And you, you see who's still trying to figure out what the heck's going on in a relationship. And I think she's a great example of that whole lifespan of how we change and how we take in influences. Uh, but you know, people don't approve of what she likes. She doesn't care. And I think that's so important that we need to embrace. Not only who we are and what we're developing into, but allow everybody else to embrace that and accept it as well. Years ago, years ago, when AIDS was a big problem, brand new issue, I did a 1,500-mile uh, bike ride with 1,500 other people to raise money for AIDS awareness. <laughs> and you did mention that you're a career. I was yeah, there a long time. Now. I do other stuff. Actually, I'm officially a. Fleet Admiral of Commander Court, because my boss says the best <laughs> sense of human. There's <laughs> <laughs> a fleet Admiral right here, yeah. respect. <laughs> two Admirals, two Admirals. I'm <laughs> in my face, I said, I'm a fleet Admiral too, but I am um, too. But going from town to town, the, this is at the high when being gay was just frowned upon and having HIV was a horrible issue. People would come out to the streets and cheer us on as we drove through the streets. We'd, We'd bicycle through the seats. Uh, street street Where did street your ride take you? Uh, we started out uh, at Mississippi and we wound up eventually in Chicago. Wow. So it was an incredible ride with wow. all these wonderful people and wonderful communities. And I'm seeing through Star Trek, and we need to understand that we are all separate individuals. We share many commonalities. But we need to accept that we are
1: all human beings and worthy of love. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think you're kind of... I, there was a backlash of, you know, I mean, you know, we all have the experience, the negative aspects of online culture and, uh, you know, tw- Twitter culture and, you know, getting the backlash from September 9, suddenly being by and, you know, holding hands with Raffi and, and kind of the backlash of that. Um, but so why wouldn't funny. she yeah. be? She's had, she had no developmental period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, she had no sexual developmental period. She was thrust into this startling environment. She, she hadn't mm-hmm. had any time to explore. And I would have... I hope eventually we'll get to see the story. Like, yes, Star Trek Picard, wonderful. But Star Trek mm-hmm. Seven. <laughs> I want to see her running around being a ranger. Kind of you know, exploring herself. You know, seeing what what she likes and what she doesn't like because she's such a When we greet her again in Picard, we see a very different woman. We see a a woman who has literally let her hair down. She wears comfortable boots. She wears normal, functional clothes. You know, she she Thank God, right? I I, I know Jerry is personally thrilled. (laughs) She gets to wear clothing that is you know and, and you talk about clothing and and you talk about costuming on these basement and you know i've heard from marina and i've heard from gates about you know the what they had the contractions they wear under their uniform to keep everything and you know, kate will talk about it all day she's like oh they put this this bra in my uniform and they gave me four inch heels and i said you can't do it you can't she's like let me be the captain let me embody how and stop fussing with my appearance yeah. So yeah. I'm sure you can talk about well, that. We call
3: it the regulation starter bra. <laughs> it's,
1: it's not comfortable.
3: And uh, as I mentioned the other day, my heels were sewn so into my jumping suit. Yeah. So was impossible to take them off um, all day. And, it, it, you know, these kinds of things are, uh, this is a complicated issue. It, it, sometimes we want to do that. Sometimes we want to absolutely just dress up and, and feel that way, and then sometimes we don't, and we shouldn't stereotype either. Yes. We, we shouldn't look down on a woman who is doling it up. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or oh, whatever you want to say. I was raised no, I, I in an era where you say that. Or a woman who has no desire to do that, or an non person who does either one. We all get to just do what we want to do, right? Yes, and it's just so something about us. And, and uh, there sometimes there were comments like that about Lita, and I felt so unseen and so unheard, because I'm not her in that way. I get to be what I want. Can you guys relate? Yeah. Yeah, no yeah. restrictions.
1: We're going to take, take questions. <laughs> I just want to say, I see a couple hands. We're going to take questions in about five minutes, so if you guys want to line up uh, over here, Mike's going to have the mic. Mike will have the mic. <laughs> and um, he will help facilitate the QA. And I always say, let us not ask anything that is unbecoming of a Starfleet officer. <laughs> we've all been on panels that this, uh, everyone sitting up here has been on panels where we've gotten the uh, occasional. Super rude question, so don't do that. <laughs> don't <be> that. <laughs> I always have a disclaimer. <laughs> but um, I wanted to quickly mention before we jump to questions um, how great has it been to see Guinan and Picard? Amazing! <clears throat> and we, we, I also wanted to mention Cassidy Yates. Who wants to talk about Cassidy Yates? Was that you, Jara? Yeah. 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 yeah, Cassidy and Guinan,
0: I think we wanted to mention as well. Oh. So. Is that good? Um, yeah, they're awesome. Uh, I don't think that was me, but I mean I was love it? I them. can't remember who's uh I think it wasn't me. Oh, okay. <laughs> well I um, yes, I mean I think that both of those characters, I mean, I think they get a lot of awesome stuff on the show, but obviously Gaiman is so mysterious that there's so many places you can take that character. And um again, like those are both characters that have meant so much to people and Cassidy I think is one of the most nuanced, uh, like Maybe one of the earliest, most nuanced, recurring regulars. Yes. yes. Um,
1: and, Another woman who yeah. operates outside of Star outside of star. Yeah, absolutely. And a, a businesswoman. Yeah. And a woman who she, she helps the. Uh, um,
0: it's there, Maka I'm like, it's right there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, I mean, again, just so many characters that you can take so many places, and it is awesome when it happens in a way that it's an experience we can all share. Exactly. And the
1: the woman that they cast to play Dinan is a young woman. Yes. Amazing. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Incredible. I, I need more right now. Like I, I just want to see that story. I want to see what brought her there. And I, I love what she said, which was um, the, the the people in this era have traded a white hood for a business suit. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And that was just... Mm-hmm it was such a short line, but so perfect. Mm -hmm. And you know, they get that delivery out, you know, did Frakes direct that episode?
0: I don't remember. I think right that sure. was earlier in the season. That was okay. Oh, that So it was Leah Thompson. It was
1: Leah Thompson. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Good. I, I wanted to mention Leah Thompson behind the scenes and women behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk a lot about, you know, there was just such a lack of female directors and female producers in yep. Star Trek, mm-hmm. yeah. and you know, we need women behind the scenes telling those stories. Yeah. And and being part of that, you know, like um, Lolita is here yeah. this weekend. She was a script supervisor. She's a yeah. mm-hmm. yep, Lovely, fabulous lady of, of Trek. Um, you know, just, the you. I mean, you can. It's like a. I don't, I don't have this, you know the statistics, Jara did a, a watch of Star Trek, she watched every single episode and applied the Bechdel test,
0: yeah. yep. you, to tell, if, and if people don't know in the audience, tell us what the Bechdel test is. Sure, so um, I'm going to call it the Bechdel walls test, because that's what Allison Bechdel has asked us yes. to call it, oh, um, but it is uh, basically, it's a super low bar test, the, to pass it you have to have two women who talk to each other. About something other than a man, and it, it was started as a bit of a joke. But the point is that it's such a low bar, and yet so few, <laughs> uh, yeah, very so few, yeah. Movies yeah. Takes past few movies it. major movies pass it. Marvel's movies usually yeah. uh, pass it. So yeah. luckily, in the era of New Trek, we're doing much better. Disco, very. I think, is like at 100. Oh, yeah, um, percent
4: Yeah. But uh, that's
0: but, so rare. I mean, rare. and and rare. Voyager was at 95 yeah. percent because you always had the captain plus like at least one other major woman character. Yeah. She and Valana uh, would uh, talk uh, about uh, the ship. Yeah. And they, you know that
1: she and we discussed what the mission was.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I also did stats on um, the directors and writers behind the scenes for all the series um, pre-disco. Um, so you can find that on Trekkiefeminist.com if you're interested. Um, and as you mentioned, same goes with the novels and also the comics. Like we have we're so lucky to have such great allies in the people that are producing. Yeah, the IDW comics. is doing yeah. a good job. But we also need to see more diversity yeah. in who's actually creating, not just like characters that are being okay. represented. Can yeah.
4: I take this moment like a
2: million
4: and Austin awesome. if you are listening it's to this by any chance? Direct, <laughs> come direct more <laughs> <on> subject. <laughs>
1: I've she, she is very good at what she does. Yes. She, have you guys seen Foundation on Apple TV? Yes. I mean, it's amazing. She's done several episodes of it, and she's doing more for next season. Mm-hmm. I don't have you worked with any directors that you female directors that you'd like to mention, or do do you um, have any that you currently admire? It's, it's hard to think of one. I in my brain. I'm
3: sorry. Oh, it's okay.
1: It's Sunday morning. Patty
3: uh, Wonder Woman. So sorry.
1: <laughs> uh, oh. Patty, Patty Vincent? Patty, Patty Jenkins. Patty Jenkins, yeah. 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 She, she, she did such incredible
3: work. I mean, I know that's an obvious one, but it, it was wonderful to see a woman directing Wonder Woman. Um, but I just want to um, say, put a shout out to the Gina Davis Institute. Mm-hmm. If, you, yeah, sorry, if you sign up for their emails, they'll tell you what is going on with women in film, basically, um, both in front of it and behind the camera. And they've done a lot of studies that show. That the more likely there is a female writer director, of course, to even females on the crew, or non binary people on the crew, the more likely the stories will be diverse. Yep. And, um, Bryce
1: Dallas Howard. Bryce Dallas Howard directing um, a lot of Star Wars, Mandalorian, and and other, uh, not just Mandalorian, but that. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, so that's great. But it's so funny how how we just know who they are because they're so few of them. Oh. oh, yes. <laughs> <The stalker laughs> <director>. I, I <laughs> love her and she's
3: To follow her trajectory, I did craft services for her. I actually just wanted to follow the shadow uh, of a female director.
1: Yeah. And uh, DC Fontana, yep. wanna be? DC Fontana, oh, yes, we, we
4: talked there. a lot about that. <laughs> a lot of, yeah. Jerry so. Ryan, not Jerry yes. Ryan,
1: Jerry Trailer, Jerry 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 Taylor. Taylor, you know, producer, producer yeah. and on the door. But, yeah, and uh, um, I'm actually working with Minab and Zinner on a Women of Star Trek documentary. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. So many, yeah. do so many fabulous. We will hook you up. Oh yeah, no, also, yeah. You've, you've done it already, right? Yeah, I have. She done. Okay, she's done. <laughs> but you know, we're We've got Stacey Abrams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah we're gonna get some, You know, and, and Kate is a very big advocate of Stacey and you know, we'd love to do a, a campaign event for her this year. So keep an eye out for that. Um, but we yeah, have. We're gonna go a little bit out. We're gonna go a little bit past the, the half hour mark because we started late. But we're gonna have about twenty minutes now for questions. So take it away, Niners. Woo! Yay! Mm-hmm. I just so, there is a very yeah, bright light behind yeah. you. So if I'm like, yeah, it's that's why. Right. Right. <laughs> uh,
3: thank you all for being here. My name is Brianna. I am a co-host of the Dura Sisters podcast. Oh! <laughs> um, and we are currently on our feminism series. So we're going through all of the incredible women in all of Star Trek. And I just had a question for anyone in the panel: What the word feminism means to you? Because I know it's kind of loaded and kind of can. Be seen as like a bad thing sometimes, or people will misconstrue it. So I'm just curious what that work means for you. Thank you.
1: I think we could all answer that if we all went down the road really quickly. Would you want to start, Kay? Um, That's a great question. Thank you.
2: Yeah, for me that is a loaded question because I I don't like to segment things. I think that we need to observe the fact that we do not treat each other fairly, and we do each. judge ourselves and other people by exterior and interior ways that are um, just not fair. So I think we need to just approach each person as being individual and appreciate them for who and what they are. And, and recognize
3: that we are all diverse and all different. I mean, it's either the diversity and in combinations. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Kate? Three, three quick things. One is no limits on yourself yeah. as a woman um, or a non-binary person who's identifying that way. Um, two is women really being supportive of each other. That is so incredibly important. And a lot of times, unfortunately, we tend to feel competitive and do competitive things. And that's just ugly and unnecessary. There's room for all of us. And the third is men being supportive of women in the same way that women have been supportive of men for years. It's absolutely okay. It doesn't mean that you don't exist or don't have a right to everything you have or want to have. Again, there's room for all of us and so if you need to scoot over and let somebody
1: else come to the table as well, mm-hmm. do it. Wonderful, thank you. To me, it's intersectional, it's inclusive of everybody. Um, feminism is is applying a lens to how we look at literature, media, society, everything. Um, so I think keeping that in mind, keeping the experience in mind, you know, as, as, and as you said, for men to recognize that, you know, are you the one getting interrupted? No. Are you the one... You know, being left out of meetings or being told that you're you're too where where a man would be told he's ambitious, the woman is told she's bitchy. You know, like 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 fighting that stereotype and you know just oh you know oh, oh, your function is not you're not just a womb. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like your your function is so much more. So that's what it means to me. So.
0: Um, Yeah, I think that um, the definition I like to use is from Bell Hooks, who says that it is about um, an end to sexism, sexist exploitation, and oppression. And by that, she means interlocking systems of Mm. oppression, which include uh, race class gender disability all of those things um, but I think that it's super super important that anyone who calls himself a feminist like do the work to show that you're intersectional and that you're like actively working to um, another quote from Rosemary Brown who was the first black woman MP in Canada is that it the onus is on you if you have um, if the door is opened for you you must hold the door open so that others can get through um, and I think that one reason why many people don't like to call themselves feminism is because of the history of white feminists who have actively excluded and the history of like radical uh, feminists who exclude trans women today. Um, So I think that, um, like, overall, I call myself a feminist. I think there's um, that it's a a useful way of thinking about how we make more options for everyone to live free of these gender constraints and to fight for equality. Um, But there's work associated with it, and it's worth the work that's worth doing. Thank you. Oh, I, I,
4: I don't know that I <laughs> you know answer into words that make sense.
2: <laughs> but I'll try to preface
4: it with some of my history. I mentioned it before. I, I grew up in, in a household, literally just women, full women. I went to a barn, which is an all girl school. Uh, so I was always surrounded by powerful women who did not accept you no. Know, you know, and women who paved their own paths. I'm also a child of immigrants, so my family came here with. You know, you could have you with very, very little and made their own way. So, my idea, my my idea of feminism, this is what I'm trying to teach my daughter as well, is sort of that internal strength, that love for yourself, and the self-confidence to be able to say no to something and to not take no for an answer. If something is not available for you, you gotta make it. And that's sort of something I've been living throughout my, my career, and lately now is like, hmm, I want this. It's not really out there. I'm gonna go and it.
1: Yeah. Thank you. That's yeah. a great question. Yeah. Okay. okay, i have about 10 minutes, yeah. and then we have everybody else to balance. another panel in this room. Well, go ahead. Hey, I don't need to put a bunch of time but I wanted. My name is I'm from I'm from, I'm from so Really, really quick backstory about why I'm asking this question. But I <clears throat> got into Star Trek, and that's my mom. the OG Star Trek fan, she has a huge Star Trek room in her house. Um, and so I grew up with it, I was born in 1987, so I literally grew up with it. <clears throat> Ended up going to university, to uh, get my master's in fandom studies, and I started learning history, of fandom studies, and it really starts with the Star Trek fandom. Camille McKenney-Smith wrote Enterprise Women yes. in the 90s about fandom. And yeah. so I was just wondering, like, what your experience with, and studies network were like because yeah. you're treated or, I mean, Paul Booth is here in Chicago, in runs America. Mm-hmm. You know, so I just
0: find what you guys have to say really sure, yeah. Jared, Jared is on it. Jared is on it. So my background is in, uh, like my academic background is in gender studies. Um, I haven't done a lot of like writing in the academic space recently, um, but um, at Women at Work, we've done a few kind of more like seminar style educational. So we did something for the Seattle International Film Festival on helping people unpack costuming in Star Trek. I love Camille Bacon-Smith's book, Enterprising Women, highly recommend. Um, and I think that it is so cool. There's a lot more, you know, academic collections of essays coming out that are exploring these things. Um, there is a book, um, I believe it's called, oh, I want to say Merchandising the Final Frontier, but that's probably not the right title, but it's on Star Trek merchandise, and there's, um, a, it's a collection of academic essays that talk about merchandise and gender and things like that. Um, so there's so much happening, and uh, I love seeing that you know people are studying these things in university and. Um, just too. hope that uh, I would encourage if anyone wants to chat about further things like that yes. um, and yeah come find Jenna and her booth later yeah. work
1: with. we will be buzzing around Yeah, could, could talk about that forever so. so yeah everybody up here has like a table I will be wherever Kate is for the rest of the day <laughs> <laughs> um, and Lucy was helping out something yeah so but thank, thank you for that yeah, yeah. fan studies I, I think it's mm-hmm. a very fascinating topic and yeah. I wish we had more time to talk about it we're going to go a couple more we'll a couple more before we This is
3: fairly short. I'm um, hearing you talk about Jerry Ryan's costume and the Starfleet issue Raw, and it made me think of how disco is changing the standard
1: model of Starfleet woman with Sylvia Tilly.
4: And I, yeah. Yeah. I, I will talk about
1: Tilly Can I talk about yeah. Tilly? <laughs> talk about Tilly, Tilly. Um, So I did, a, I did a photo shoot for Volante Jackets, um, I was their Tilly Body type as a, a tall, curvy woman It was very nice to see That representation in Star Trek I did not realize how much I had been missing Body diversity in Star Trek um, And you know, we have a uh, Women who are, you know, Terry is very tall. You know, she's a model. And then we have uh, Nana, who is very, you know, very slender. And you know, obviously, like genetically slender, where I am not. (laughs) And and it's just seeing Tilly and her enthusiasm, and that 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 part of that enthusiasm, and her her hair. hair. Her hair is not Mm -hmm. stuck back in a bun. You know, she. I mean, look at my hair. You know, and um, seeing her being. Uh, see, seeing having them hold her up as you know, I am just as good to be on the command track, I can do this, I can, and then having, of course, Captain Kelly oh, yeah. <laughs> on the other side of things, and having her say, I'm gonna rip her tongue out and use it to lick my boot. And I was like, That's right, <laughs> but um, it was funny because when I did the jacket shoot, and I don't want you to go like, Oh, it's super, but um, I got a guy on Twitter, of course, a guy, I always That's a guy. Better. You're too fat to be in Starfleet, <laughs> and I was like, and I, I went backstage and when I saw Mary at a Star Trek Las Vegas, and I told her, I said, you know, that was, I said, I got a couple of those, and she goes, guess what? I'm too fat to be in Starfleet, and I'm in Starfleet. <laughs> <laughs> and I, was like, and I was like good for you, good for you. So it's so important to see that, and for women to see that, you know, it's not just the Hollywood standard, right? We are, we come in all shapes and sizes. So that's. That Tilly is. I love her. I'll talk about her a lot. But we're gonna go to the next question before I keep going. <laughs> Hi, I'm Alex, and the hypothetical Star Trek Seven. We would you first see it set in
2: the 2370s, early 80s, when she's mm-hmm. exploring herself, or the 2400s, exploring her relationship with
0: I Oh, mean, can I see her break up with Chakotay? Yes. <laughs> I mean, yes. I would. I would love to
1: see. What what are, what does she do for the Fenris Rangers? I would like to see her out on Fenris Ranger missions. That feels like a whole show to me, yeah. or at least a couple of short tracks. Mm-hmm. Like, let's yeah. let's give her a mission, right? Yeah, I agree. So Yes, one. Yeah, she's great. I want to see more. Hi, and Anna. Hi. Also a fabulous panelist. I've been with before. PhD. Utterly accomplished. Yeah, today's actually yeah. the anniversary of the dissertation defense. So yay. <laughs> of uh, uh, the comment you made about Kate Mulgrew and how, uh, you know, they kept changing her hair and doing her heels and she was like, just, just letting me play like an old woman and a captain. it reminds me actually a lot of, in Stargate, with the man attacking, they also did the same thing, they were giving like, you know, her these really low cut TikToks tops and like writing these feminist lines that were really crazy and she was like, just the character as a man, and I'll like add the feminine touch. Yes, um, or make her like a human being, since you clearly can't really be a own human being. Um, so I actually wanted to ask Chase um, whether there were any kind of moments in DS9 where you also kind of looked at the script or your character and just
4: kind of had that kind of input of sort of let let me you know play this character
3: in this way, like or in this direction, because you clearly are sort of getting it. Thank you. You mean to take it in this direction for...
1: Like, in terms of your character, if there are any moments where you sort of put your foot down and said, let's take Lita in this direction, let's do this, let's not do this.
3: Unfortunately, I wasn't able to do that because the writers are um, pretty much the gods. The word is the, words, the gods, uh, Yeah, that's it. I mean, they... Our writers were so good and that is evidenced by the fact that they've gone on to write so much more television then. I was in fact disappointed sometimes when I was told... And you're
1: allowed to say that. It doesn't mean you hate Star Trek. No, I I love Star Trek and I'm grateful for a
3: lot of things. I was
1: disappointed by the writers and directors,
3: Uh, not, not so much the writers, but certain directors who said, make her lighter, make her happy. In that's kind of like, uh, ladies. I'm sure you understand this. Mess. Smile
1: more. <laughs> no, I do
3: not. And and so I was frustrated by that. Um, and that is sometimes what it does on screen. And it's not who I am. I like sometimes, but I am not necessarily. And I felt like there was uh, a bit of a narrow scope uh, in some episodes for me. And yet. If what they want is the whole picture, then they want the heavy war from the light leader, then that's, you know, do your job. job. Um, but for Perfect. the record, I um, would loved more grittiness.
1: Yeah. We so, we are so sorry we have to wrap. We've already gone over, um, but we started late. But thank you, everybody, for coming. Please come find us. And thank you, ladies. we late Star Trek Online, you're badass, ladies. Thank you so, so much. And the future wants all of us. Yes. 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 Thank
0: you. and that's it for our show today to learn more about us and to contact us visit women at warp.com email us at crew at women at warp.com or find us on facebook twitter or instagram at women at warp thanks so much for listening